Good afternoon and welcome to the Freedom to Buy podcast presented by Supernet. I'm Joe Dworsky, the president of retail banking for Supernet, which is the only payment network that enables true credit card solutions for the cannabis industry for both merchants and consumers. Each week on our podcast, we will take you behind the scenes of banking, finance, payments, and technology to help educate both businesses and listeners on how to make the most of your purchasing power in the world of credit. My next guest is the Chief Revenue Officer of Dama Financial, which solves the financial challenges of businesses in the underbanked cannabis industry by providing cannabis businesses access to secure, transparent banking solutions. Welcome, Aaron Ranka, to the Freedom to Buy podcast. Welcome, Aaron. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me. Before we jump into Dama, obviously, uh, it'd be great to learn a little bit uh, about yourself. Can you give us a uh, 30,000 foot overview of your background and how you came to uh, Dama? My initial entry into professional life uh, right out of college was a commercial real estate job uh, selling investment properties throughout the U.S. So I had a kind of a numbers background. That led me into uh, 2007, 2008, when the market kind of started going south for lending. I found an opportunity to work at a company called First Data, which uh, at the time was credit card processing, uh, more on the bank service side of things. I went through the transitions at First Data through new leadership, saw that a couple different times, went through the transition when First Data became Fiserv, worked my way through the ranks there, made many friends in the industry of payments, and ultimately decided to change my career out and do something a little bit, I guess, more non-traditional. So I was brought over by one of our board members to come in and, and work on a pin debit solution at Dama. And in doing so, learned a lot about the banking side of things. Um, you know, Dama itself was founded around the concept of providing banking services to cannabis specifically and only cannabis. Um, and, you know, over the years, six years, seven years now, the business has transitioned into some software and some payment capabilities, whether it's ACH or, you know, Pindebit uh, as a service we offer now. You touched on a little bit about Dama. Can you expand for our listeners what Dama and how they work with banks across the country and the value uh, that they bring to these institutions looking to get involved in cannabis banking? Yeah, absolutely. So without giving away too much of the secret sauce, you know, we provide <laughs> <laughs> we provide access to what I'll call uh, traditional banking services. And we're the layer of security or compliance or reputational risk or whatever you, know, you want to call it between essentially kind of the federal government, big banking institutions, and our client, which is the business operator. So we act as an intermediary. We offer cash pickup services. Uh, we do all of the CTR and SARS filings. We regulate or kind of follow all of the industry standards on beneficial ownership. We track down licenses. We keep track of renewals, monitor the businesses to make sure that they remain in compliance. And so, you know, I say banking services in general, you know, there's a, a lot that goes into that too, but kind of the mm -hmm. backbone, backbone of what we do, how we do it is all centered around compliance, right? Make sure that people are ahead of license renewals, make sure that 
you know, licenses stay up to date. If there's any mm-hmm. ownership changes, we take care of all of that stuff. And then the actual banking services like, you know, safe cash and cash mm-hmm. online portal and that type of stuff. That's all, you know, like you go to any big bank and see what we do there. Right. So is this a software solution that you are providing to the banks that want to enter or start a cannabis banking program? I mean, it sounds like, are you the middleware that sits between, you know, the institution and the merchant? We'll talk a little bit about that, you know, how you integrate with them. Is that is it, once again, through a software solution? There's a host of companies out there that are, that are providing individual pieces of kind of the bigger piece, the bigger pie of, you know, what we do. Mm-hmm. The nickel tour is that we're the middleware, exactly, great term for it. Okay. Uh, between the big companies and traditional banking and between uh, our clients, which are merchants, the, the actual power, the, the things that go into, you know, what we do, how we do it. Um, it's a combination of proprietary stuff that we've built uh, versus or including stuff that we've, we've brought in from, you know, traditional market sources. We've looked at different authorization engines, uh, kind of put it all together and, you know, we hit the road running or hit the ground running. Over the last six years, it's obviously refined uh, and been refined and changed and been developed and so on and so forth. So we're probably a really good candidate for a big bank that says, hey, listen, if safe banking passes and, you know, X big bank says we want to we want to go play in the cannabis space, they would call Dama or, you know, a company like ours and say, what do you do? How do you do it? Um, Or could you Mm -hmm. potentially do that on our behalf? And that's a that's certainly a model that we're. Uh, looking at as well. So you said big banks. Are you? Is it more focused towards you know the larger banks, or is it a is it a solution for all banks, community banks, regional banks, super regional banks, or does it you have one particular niche within the banking sector? Yeah. So you know, when I was like four years old to eight years old, my parents said, "Go get a bank account," right? And I said, "All right, uh, I'll you know." do the lemonade stand and put some money in the bank. I think I was probably 20 years old when I realized that banks were what you just said, right? Regional, Midwest, community, credit union. I had no idea what those were. I didn't even didn't even know that banks were in existence to make money or had like investors. I thought you just put money in and it was magically guaranteed to, to be there, right? So my concept of a bank is pretty much any institution that takes in money and kind of works on your behalf to protect it and grow it. Mm-hmm. So our services are not, you know, directed towards like the big bank or the the national brand, or it's not excluding the little guys either. It's legitimately any banking institution. Uh, we can, we can be a helpful resource too. Okay. Okay. Good. That's good to know. And I imagine in addition to banks, uh, you also uh, work with credit unions Okay, there, are, a lot of- there are probably three or four credit unions that we're having conversations with that are, you know, they have somewhat of a cannabis program, maybe a little bit, you know, behind the times as far as the things that they're doing. But those are conversations that we have probably weekly. And I think a lot of it stems around we're known as kind of the industry leader or the, you know, the thought leader of you know how we did this and how we started doing banking. So a lot of those conversations are are like credit unions trying to say, you know, how do those guys do it? See if we can get some information. Some of the conversations are, let us do it for you. So it's a it's a mix of both for sure. 
And for our listeners, you know, and I'm sure you're aware of this and as well as myself, you know, many community banks, um, more so the community banks, but even some of your larger regionals and uh, are reluctant to get involved with cannabis, to service any cannabis-related business due to the lack of resources, the technology, but more importantly, and the most critical uh, component is regulatory concerns. We talked a little bit about you know the safe banking you, you touched on. Can you discuss how DAMA addresses these issues for a bank when you start those conversations about setting up a cannabis banking program and the resistance that they present? Yeah. So let's look at like the big bank example uh, real quick. So big banks are governed by kind of board of directors and they've got investment grade uh, investors, not just like the, you know, three or four people that say, here's a, here's a boatload of money, go become a bank. These are more like institutional investment companies. So the biggest concern that I think those guys are probably looking at, and this is completely just me thinking about it uh, kind of on the spot, but majority of what I I think the reasons that they probably would not or have not gotten into the space yet are mostly around investment community saying we don't want to be part of it for whatever reason and also reputational risk, right? New industry, it's considered high risk, relatively new, for example. Um, there's a lot of stigma, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent, doesn't matter. It's just, it's something new. And a lot of big banks are probably not the first to say we're going to go jump on something new that probably leads a little bit more down the lines of reputational risk. And then, you know, investment grade community just says, you know, we're, we're such and such fun. We don't believe in X, Y, Z product. Don't, don't go do business in this space. Right. Those are just how they're, how they're governed. Right. From a resource standpoint, building out a separate program, you know, isn't all that different necessarily from my opinion on banking a traditional business, right. Or a, you know, non-cannabis business. The workload, the just regulatory compliance, the state-by-state nuance, all of the things that go into the reporting systems, those would require a significant amount of work, like heavy uphill lifting, thought, roadmap. I mean, it's not something that you can just build a program tomorrow and become, you know, a cannabis bank. So resources are probably the, the third kind of biggest issue. Compliance, I mean, compliance is compliance. Banks are experts at compliance and understanding it, knowing it you know, thinking about it. I don't think that's really necessarily the bigger problem, like compliance as a whole, but the state by state nuance of compliance would certainly present a challenge to a, you know, larger or larger or regional or, a, you know, more than one state bank. And when you're dealing with these institutions, what is the process? How does, do you walk the bank through the process of setting up a, a banking program in the cannabis space. From my experience and talking to many banks with our company, experience the resistance and the the challenge within who's going to own that and the process of how you hold their hand through the process of presenting to the board, because obviously they're also, to expand on your point, <laughs> I've also had conversations with banks where your more, you know, Midwest traditional conservative banks, you know, old conservative board, they don't even want to hear cannabis. Do you hold the hands of the bank and do you help them 
with the boards? You help them with the regulators. You know, what's the involved level of involvement when you're trying to help a bank get involved or set up a uh, cannabis banking program? Yeah. So the secret sauce is we have uh, Michelle Sullivan, who's our chief compliance officer, who's been in uh, banking and compliance for a lot of years. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> for for sake of you know saying uh, a lady's age, uh, she's a wealth of knowledge, tons of experience. We've built the program itself to the point where it is now, and that's that's ultimately a result of working with banks, working with other lending institutions and trying to figure out how we solve the problem together. So it's been a, it's been a two-way street, not just saying, Hey, this is the program, take it or leave it. It's, you know, this is what we've built so far. Do you see any reasons where we can improve it and, you know, help us do that? Or this is what we've done so far. This is how uh, we've been successful. This is how we can make you successful as well. And, and at least provide that layer of security for those reputational risks or investment risks or regulatory concerns. So it's not a, you know, here's a piece of paper with four check marks. It's, it's a process. And as the chief revenue officer, your role, I mean, obviously the title explains exactly what the, you know, the roles and responsibilities are revenue, bring in revenue. Um, I imagine you have a team, you know, that's out there knocking on doors, but how do you guys penetrate the market you know, to bring on banks? And that, that's, that, that's one sector. We'll, we'll talk about the, the consumer side a little bit later, but in targeting the banking sector, um, can you talk a little bit about your team that you've assembled and you know how you're bringing in that business? Are they coming to you and so forth? That's my day-to-day. Every single day I wake up, I think to myself, how do we, how do we find new avenues, new revenue streams, new partnerships, so on and so forth? My initial entry into Damo was October of last year. So it's been okay. six to eight months or so. I came in as a payments person to kind of help finalize some of the pin debit stuff and work on pay tender and you know, so on and so forth. The opportunity to move into the revenue side happened like November, December-ish, you know, doing a lot more learning still than execution, if that makes sense, just due to the time and the role. But we looked at you know, I looked at kind of what we had in place uh, from previous leadership and the avenues that existed in cannabis were very limited from a marketing standpoint. So we have a, an entire marketing department uh, with a chief of staff there who spends her days thinking about, you know, how do we present this product to this market? How do we tailor an approach for this state? How do I work with this sales rep? in that region to go target this one particular product or suite of products. Marketing is a really big issue, right? So there are things that have been flagged in the past uh, because we're cannabis related. There are things that are, there are avenues that don't care one way or the other, and there are avenues that are specifically cannabis only. So we take advantage of all of those opportunities. We, you know, have publishing companies we work with. We've got a creative design team that comes up with the stuff we want to say. Mm-hmm. And then we vet all of that through, you know, we've got we've got to worry about bank partners, right? So what do they want to see in the marketplace? So we we work on that side to make sure that they're okay with the compliance. And Michelle's team does a great job saying the message looks really good, but you know, tweak this a little bit. Don't say that. Do say this, and and we'll be good to go. Okay. On the direct sales side of things, we've got 
you know, sales reps that are responsible to be part of organizations. Uh, we're on chambers of commerce. We go to industry events. We present on podcasts like this, obviously. And we work with partners uh, in the industry. We refer partners out. We want to be known as uh, traditionally we were Dama Cannabis Banking. Now we are Dama Cannabis Business Solutions, right? Top to bottom, we want to be the industry leader, the central source of if you get a license today or tomorrow, give us a ring and we'll put you into a position to be successful with, you know, point of sale, payments, e-commerce, banking, obviously, safe cash. We've got security cameras that uh, are really good for delivery states. We've got partnerships with insurance. You know, we're working on lending programs. So those are kind of the the big avenues, right? We've got marketing, we've got sales mm-hmm. knocking on doors, we've got referral partnerships, um, incoming, outgoing. One of my previous leaders and in, in a role at First Data came in and said, go play in traffic, right? Don't physically go run in the street and you know play Frogger, but be active, get outside, knock on doors, talk to people, make phone calls. If you're sitting around waiting for the phone to ring, you're in, you're in the wrong spot. So just general activity, we're trying to focus on a very specific segment of the market in one particular product, getting very focused on marketing to those particular users with these products. So, and what are um, the, that's, that's, that's very helpful, very informative. What are some of the types of banking services that you offer these cannabis related businesses? So top to bottom, it's, you know, it's compliance first, it's reporting integrations uh, with the big reporting tools and some standalone ones to access to being able to wire or ACH money, um, able to pay bills electronically. Mm-hmm. We've got Dama Pay, which is if you're paying another Dama Bank uh, client, then it just goes automatically, right? Kind of like a the magical banking thing I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. We've got safes uh, through some partnership where we give you provisional credit. So you put your money in cash into the safe end of day. It tallies it up, gives you a report. That money then becomes officially deposited to your bank account, for lack of a better term. You have provisional credit to use the money electronically. We then you know, contract through courier service to pick it up securely and then take it directly to the Fed. So... Those are, you know, kind of the high level things. If you look at our banking center, online account center, mm-hmm. you, you compare that to like going to, you know, the big red bank down the street, it, it's very similar, right? So, yeah, I was looking at the, uh, on your website and it says, you know, those banking services, you got business banking, interest bearing accounts, invoicing, cash to tax, personal banking, send money to any Dharma client. So yeah, it looks like uh, a bank's website, if you will. Yeah, uh, a lot of businesses today are you know involved with you know uh, they have a, a banking as a service solution. So I guess some people can uh, view it like that as well. Yeah, uh, I hate to use the term traditional, right? Because you know, in my opinion, cannabis <laughs> operators are traditional businesses, right? They just they're they're labeled differently. But if you look at, let's say, a restaurant goes to the bank and says, "I'm a restaurant. Here's my tax ID. I want a bank account." We want exactly the same service for, you know, a dispensary or a cultivator or wholesale operator. Go to the bank, have an app, have an online account center, pay bills, receive money. Uh, and using that, you know, we'll call it pass a term traditional. We want to kind of traditionalize cannabis related businesses to mainstream. Like 
they should be treated the same as any other uh, banking client, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let me just segue a little bit now. We're talking about the, the banking vertical uh, mostly, but I understand Dama also works directly with the end consumer. Okay, can you discuss the, the types of customers or the verticals that Dama works with in the cannabis space and some of the services or tools that you offer those verticals, if you will? One of the biggest concerns, and this is just going back to banking for two seconds, that I saw coming into the space or looking at the space from outside, you know, going back five, six years, is that if you're working in a retail dispensary, you, you're you not treated like a normal, uh, you know, let's say like busboy or restaurant uh, server, right? You have limited access to financial tools like mortgages, credit cards. You're kind of looked at as maybe non-bankable. So at some point, you know, safe banking passes and everyone's happy and things are really good, you know, working in a dispensary won't be a problem. Shouldn't be burdened by where you work to be able to get a car loan, right? So those are things that we're kind of gearing up towards kind of helping out in that space on banking. But if you look at uh, a traditional business operator, the, the lifeblood of a business that's selling products in a retail scenario is your point of sale system, mm-hmm. right? Top to bottom, point of sale system drives how you engage with your your customers, your end user, your your purchasers, or people consuming your product. So having a really good point of sale system, being able to market to your customers, being able to analyze their their spending patterns, being able to predict what your inventory needs to be, publishing that to a website, right? I mean, a couple of years ago, you couldn't go to Google and say, I'm a dispensary, give me a website. You'd get shut down or red flagged. Now that's relatively common, right? So how you promote your product to your consumers, and then how you manage your taxes, how you manage your payroll, mm-hmm. clock, clock out everything. Like when you right. go into you know Home Depot, what's the number one thing you see when you walk in the door? You walk in and you see a point of sale system or a bunch of them. That's the lifeblood. Mm-hmm. In, in cannabis, it, it changes by state, changes by city. It changes by what county you're in sometimes, the taxes and, and the rules that are allowed to go into those point of sale systems. It changes by what reporting tool you have to report to state traceability system Uh, some of them integrate with partnership to do really advanced things and some of them integrate with partnerships to do very basic things and i don't know a point of sale system in the market today that is top to bottom 100 vertically integrated seed to sale that does everything but at some point the direction i see for our point of sale system is either build it or buy it but we get to a point where the point of sale system is leading class and it helps you operate your business and absolutely really gives you the services that you would if you were, you know, a restaurant. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, from our perspective with uh, the credit uh, card solution that, uh, you know, we're building, you know, having that, that POS system that connects all pieces of the puzzle, if you will. So the customer goes into the you know, dispensary swipes his card into the POS system. The POS system is connected to Dama's back end and is trans, you know, furring all that information, you know, to the bank. So the bank knows from a compliance perspective all the necessary uh, details of that particular client. So, and there are so many, as you said, out there <laughs> that yeah. 
I would imagine there will there will be a some type of roll up, some type of consolidation. Someone will come in and and see that opportunity. Maybe it's going to be Dama, you know, or the, as you said, some are going to you know build their own solutions who have that that connection to the banks and the financial institutions like yourself. Mm-hmm. In in terms of you know uh, researching you know uh, the company a little bit and talking about the different verticals on, on the retail side, I see you know you're working with the retail and delivery systems, the manufacturing and distribution systems, the cultivators, uh, and then some ancillary uh, businesses. You know, how does it differ from all those different verticals in terms of the services that you're providing? I would imagine, you know, there are different touch points for each uh, vertical. Can you talk a little bit about that? There are a thousand nuances there as well, right? So if you Mm -hmm. look at point of sale retail, you think, you know, someone's going to come in, pick up an order. You can't prepay for it with a credit card or a debit card, theoretically, right? You couldn't do pin debit over the phone. So how do you manage for delivery? Uh, and the workflows that have to go into setting up the point of sale to manage that process are different for people that have walk-in clients, different for people that do, let's say the ice cream truck model where you transfer product from your store through the delivery program into a truck or a car or whatever it may be. And you go park that truck by a state fair and you sell your products. You can't just do that like you would in ice cream, because you have to worry about the traceability, the tracking, the compliance, the state that says, if you put product in your car, you either have to have a camera or a person watching the product. Um, so just the the absolute level of detail needed to think about those things, you couldn't necessarily say, I'm just going to plug in this delivery program and it's going to work everywhere because one, there's ice cream truck model. Then there's two, the pizza shop model where you take a payment over the phone uh, and then you send out a driver with product and they deliver it, right? That those are just, those are, that's one example of a very complex scenario. Something mm-hmm. I'm, I'm learning about day by day with our product team. We've got an unbelievable roadmap with a lot of really cool things on it, but how you put that on the roadmap and the thought that goes into, you know, what your strategy is, who you're going to serve in the market. You're going to go say, I want to be the best point of sale system for, uh, the biggest MSO in the country, you're, there's no way you could do that top to bottom. It just, it's such a big animal as it sits right now. And the the POS industry is somewhat or relatively new enough that I don't think anyone has the capability to do that top to bottom. Mm-hmm. So then you say, I want to go service, you know, one to 10 or four to 10 operators in these three states. And you you put together your program and your target market and, and you go after it. Um Probably what I think makes a lot of sense is that you'll see partnerships develop or uh, enhanced integrations or even acquisition of, you know, particular parts. So let's say, you know, Dama Growflow wants to go and be the best e-commerce provider out there, right? What do you do? Do you build it on a, you know, known platform or do you build it custom? Those are all things that you just, the, the ability to just do that really quickly is not quite there yet, right? For hardly any player. And the amount of stuff that goes into cannabis specific, think that there's a general POS that could do everything for everyone, kind of like the, the mainstream POSs you see in retail stores. No, absolutely. We've come across the same in, in our travels, um, but that's uh, very informative. And can you talk a little bit about how, how a bank can bank cannabis safely? 
some of the, you know, according to FinCEN and so forth, some of the regulatory hurdles that a bank needs to um, be cognizant of and, and address. It's, so my view of this, and keep in mind too, my my initial view of a bank when I was young is that it was a magical organization, probably a little bit jaded. So the way I see it now is the regulatory authorities uh, are somewhat regionally specific and those differ based on, you know, who the regulator is, right? Or, you know, what product you're selling or how you're onboarding clients. All I can say is we have come up with a plan that says we are going to follow the letter of the law exactly and then add 20% or 30% or whatever it may be. So if you go to a traditional bank today and you say, I want a bank account, they say, how much percentage do you own in the business? If it's, you know, if it's 25%, then you need three other signers, right? If it's 50%, then you need two signers. If it's 100%, you're the sole owner, there you go. In cannabis, we take that down to like 10% ownership. And you see a lot of partnerships in, in cannabis. So, you know, there might be three or four or 10 kind of main players or owners of a cannabis business for a lot of reasons. So we feel relatively comfortable looking at a banking institution saying we've we've vetted this down to 10% ownership. We've done all the SARS filings. We've done all of the compliance. We've done all the background checks on every single person. To date, we have not had to shut down a business account or a cannabis business account. And we're pretty proud of that. I mean, there are instances where things out of our control came into play, like, you know, subpoenas and things like that. But, you know, we go to the extra level where we don't, I mean, we worry about it daily, but we can say reasonably, surely to a client or prospect or to a banking partner, the things that we do, our secret sauce are there to protect everyone involved. And so far we've been pretty successful. And how many banks or financial institutions, if you will, uh, is Dama currently uh, working with across the country? Uh, that's probably a better question for Michelle, right? I mean, we're having conversations daily with with a lot of different ones. The the secret sauce, if you will, is a better Michelle question. So let okay. me take that as a, we'll take that as a one-off. What's the referral program? Can you share for our listeners your referral program and how that uh, operates? Absolutely. So we have a standard, we'll call it a one-off referral, like, you know, let's say you're a client of ours or you're someone that's an independent contractor in the space and you say, oh, you know, I talked to so-and-so the other day, or maybe you're an ancillary service provider installing cable and you say, I'm installing your cable and the, and the business owner says, well, I need a bank account. And you say, go, go call Dama. You know, we'll do like a one-off program where it's just a one-time payment. We then have kind of developed more of a, I'll call it agent ISO or you know, industry specific referral partnership where we'll provide some revenue sharing based on if you're a cannabis related attorney or if you're someone writing applications or helping consult with new locations, that type of stuff. If you're in the space and you're committed to the space uh, and you want to be someone that is known as an industry leader and helpful to your clients, then we have a referral uh, partnership that would be a little bit more specific on maybe not necessarily minimum client referrals, but you know, you, you kind of check the box that you're in the industry and you're not just a one-off. Then we've got a monthly residual that we can build out. Well, this has been great, Aaron, and we really appreciate you coming on uh, today's show. Thanks uh, for listening to Freedom to Buy. 
uh, presented by Supernet each week. You can learn more about our payment network by going to our website at supernet.ai. You can also uh, listen to uh, today's episode as well as past episodes of Freedom to Buy at CannabisRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Aaron, uh, for our listeners, if they want to learn more about Dama Financial, uh, whether it's a bank or a retail cannabis uh, business, how do they uh, learn more about Dama reach out to you or the company. Can you uh, share that with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So we're best uh, we're best on our website. We're on all the socials. You'll see us on LinkedIn. You'll see some you know press releases coming up. We should be pretty well known. I hope. If not, uh, let me know and I will uh, make sure to be all over the place with marketing. But DamaFinancial.com is the best place to start. Terrific. Okay. That's very helpful. Once again, Aaron, uh, thanks for being on this afternoon and taking time out of your uh, busy day. We appreciate it. And to our listeners, we look forward to uh, speaking to you next week on our next episode of Freedom to Buy. Thank you, everybody. Have a good afternoon. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.